What is up, everybody? We're back for uh, another preview here. This is for Matt Vey. Um, he's entering his seventh year in the league. Last year was by far his, his most successful year, probably his first truly successful year. He went 9-4. and four. He, uh, he made the finals. Uh, the, uh, the five seasons before that, he didn't even get one season where his total points were in the, the top half of the 90 uh, total point entries we have through our nine seasons. His, his best finish was 46th, so uh, just one away from, from kind of the top half there. Um, he'd never previously gotten more than five uh, top five scores, so that was uh, his best was six before, which is below half. You need seven out of 13 to, to kind of get over the hump. He had nine last year, which was very good. Um, and the, the biggest thing last year is he just didn't have really any bad scores. Um, if you look at the number of times he was in the bottom three scores in the league in prior seasons, um, it, was, it was much more often. Last season, it was just once. So he had 12 finishes in the top seven. Um, so just being consistently putting yourself in, in good spots to give yourself a chance to win, that was a big improvement for him. And now this season is going to be time to show us if, uh, if last year was a fluke or if something's uh, really kind of turning around. So uh, so let's take a look at how Matt Vey drafted. He was one of two people to stick with the uh, take a quarterback in both of the first two rounds strategies that's kind of gone by the wayside a little bit, but I still think it's a, a valid strategy if you can pull it off right. Um, he took Tom Brady as the first overall quarterback with his third pick. I thought, um, I think everyone was a little bit surprised he didn't go with Antonio Brown there based on, I, I think last year's draft is when he took Brown very early. Um, Kirk Cousins was number two. I thought he reached for him a little bit, given that, um, like a Mariota, a Roethlisberger, well, not necessarily Roethlisberger, but I don't know, it just seems like that's kind of the, he's the top of that next tier, maybe. I would have preferred Mariota, but I can't blame him for not going with Cam Newton, given the injury, um, things like that. I thought Leonard Fournette was a, a little bit of a reach, but he looked awesome yesterday. Yesterday was, um, Sunday of week one. Um, I don't really love the strategy of just picking up running backs on bad teams because they're usually going to have to throw, but the Jaguars are an interesting case because they're, I think they're just going to run it a, a million times, and Fournette's kind of a special talent. Um, so I, I thought Michael Thomas was an uh, all-right pick, probably a, a pretty good pick. Terrell Pryor, I have, I have no idea what to think about him, so Madvey's really kind of waiting on running back here through five rounds. He only has Fournette. Then he took uh, Danny Woodhead before uh, Ty Montgomery, which I thought was interesting. Um, but Danny Woodhead certainly has, has proven in the past he can gather a, a ton of receptions. Um, later on, Matt Vey ended up getting Adrian Peterson. I thought he reached a little bit for um, Deshaun Watson here. He took him before someone like Bradford, who just played and was uh, was pretty lights out. Um but Watson certainly has the the talent, at least running-wise, um, that he can pick up some points as a rookie quarterback. Um, so I, I don't know. Matt Vey, I never really agree with Matt, Matt Vey's draft very much. Um, he, he always kind of treats it like a dynasty draft <laughs> because he takes so many rookies. I think he took five rookies out of his 20 picks. and So naturally, me and him overlap sometimes in, in our opinion of the, the promising rookies, but... 
it just looks like uh, some guys are going to bust here for Matt Vay between like an Adrian Peterson, a Brandon Marshall who had one catch yesterday. Um, I, I guess it remains to be seen, but I, I don't think it was the strongest from the three spot. Um, he wasn't there in person. Maybe that hindered him to, to some small extent. But once again, just if you don't kill yourself in the draft, you, you get two strong quarterbacks there. Um, maybe he can uh, can build a winner coming out of this, this weaker division that he's in this season. Okay, so uh, what did Madve do in the preseason in terms of transactions, shaping his roster? Uh, he grabbed a couple more rookies. He dropped O.J. Howard, the uh, the rookie tight end he got in the 19th round. Um, picked up Kenny Galladay. Later he dropped Galladay, picked up Cooper Cup. So he's churning through the, the rookie-wide receivers here. And then he found finally found a guy he wanted to keep. What is up, everybody? This is the first of our 2017 season previews. Uh, this first one here is going to be for Mike Polino. He's the third longest tenured owner in the league. He's entering his eighth season. Uh, his career record is 50 and 41, which is pretty good. He's made the playoffs in five of his seven seasons, however, only once in his last three years. Um, he's coming off his worst season of all time. It was only his second losing season. He had career lows almost across the board, three wins, last place in the league. If you consider the, the modern era since Jay entered in the 2013 season, so the previous four years, Polino had the worst total points of anybody in those four years um, with 111.5 points on average per week. He had four scores below 100, a um, low score of 76, which is pretty rough in the, the modern times. Uh, and this was largely thanks to, to pitiful quarterback scores. Um, in the modern era, he was one of three teams to score less than 400 quarterback points in a season. That works out to about 15 points per quarterback per game on average, which um, that that's pretty much meaning he had very few high quarterback scoring weeks, and he probably had some duds in there. Um, but looking forward, he took a lot of steps to rectify that in the draft this season. He took Drew Brees in the first round, Russell Wilson in the second round, and then in the fourth round he took Tyrod Taylor. Uh, 19th, he stole Smoke and Jay Cutler before he was signed to the Miami Dolphins. Um, this is kind of a classic Polino move, load up on quarterbacks, especially taking that third one early. Hope that you stay in contention through the first half of the season and then maybe look to trade one of them closer to the deadline to, to really stock up at other positions. This pretty much ensures that he's not going to have quite as bad of a scoring season as last year, but it uh, it also might cap his upside, so we're going to see. The other notable thing about the draft is Polino once again got to uh, be a division captain, if that's what you want to call it, and he uh, by far drafted the group of death, maybe one of the most deadly groups deadly divisions in league history. Um, it just it looks much more competitive than the other one, um, especially in the kind of running back and quarterback facets. But uh, Polino, Polino kind of shied away here on the running backs. He, he went heavy on quarterbacks. So it's going to be a, interesting to see the comparison between teams like Polino's and then Bajam and Nick Clark, who largely took quarterbacks later on in the draft. So in terms of the, the preseason moves for Mike Polino, what has he done? Uh, he's pretty much gone with his standard laissez-faire approach. Some might want to call it lazy-faire based on whether or not we think Polino is intentionally staying hands-off 
or if he's just busy with other things, doesn't want to devote that much time to his fantasy football roster. Uh, I'll leave that up to the jury. But Spencer Ware picked up an injury. That really hurt. It was one of his top running back selections. Um, after this Thursday night breakout we saw from Kareem Hunt to start the season, I think Ware would have pretty much split carries at best in that backfield. Um, it's, it's hard to tell how long it would have taken for Kareem Hunt to really establish himself, but uh, I doubt it would have been too long. So Polino lost Spencer Ware due to injury. That was very unfortunate. He picked up Chris Boswell, Steelers kicker. Um, not much to say there. He threw a dollar down on him. And he also dropped Kenny Stills, picked up the Bengals defense, which was uh, probably a solid move. He needs someone to play week one for him here, and the Bengals are facing a a Joe Flacco quarterback Ravens that probably don't have too many answers, especially since Ray Flacco is just uh, recently coming back from his, his back injury in the preseason. So the good news for Polino is that we have him, I have him currently sixth in the power rankings. In the coaches poll, he's even better. He's fifth. The bad news is that that is near the bottom of his division. Um, the consensus top three in that division, both by myself and the coaches poll is Sterner, Basham, and Katko, and uh, I have Nick Clark ranked even one spot ahead of him in my power rankings. So I think the the kind of the consensus on Plano is yeah he has great quarterbacks, but none of the running backs really stand out as guys that are going to completely dominate their backfield in touches. We have Lamar Miller, Mark Ingram, uh, Terrence West. You have Jonathan Stewart, Matt Forte. Um, and who else do we got? Oh, Charles Sims, too. So if he can piece together the matchups, he has a, a big pool of running backs to choose from there. But um, I, I don't know that anyone's really going to pop off the page week in, week out. His receiving... What's up, everybody? This is the third season preview for the 2017 BHL season. We're going we're gonna to do one that's already pretty tough here. Uh, Jeff Christ, the rookie... Uh, our first new player since the 2014 season when uh, our other Jeff came into the league. Um, it's it's always going to be a challenge in your first year in the league. Um, it's very competitive, a little bit of a unique roster construction, but um, the players are the same. So I, we can't we're not going to cut them too much slack here. Um, no history to to speak of. So l let's jump right into the draft. Um, started out, I thought. Uh, not terrible. You got Matt Ryan. I still would have, I mean, I mentioned for Jeff Jurisic, I would have taken Russell Wilson there, almost certainly, but um, no qualms with Matt Ryan. And then he followed it up, with though, with Devonta Freeman. Um, he said something about the, the double dip, um, but the, the quarterback running back double dip is usually not a good move, um, so I was kind of concerned that that was his strategy right off the bat. Um, but I overall liked, I liked the Amari Cooper pick in the third. The the James White pick in the fourth was a real head-scratcher. I think he's going to have a good year, but he passed up a lot of good players like uh, Dalvin Cook, Carlos Hyde, um, Ty Montgomery, Danny Woodhead, Joe Mixon. I'm just kind of going down the list here. So that he passed up a lot of talent for James White. Maybe maybe it turns out to be a good move, but I'm a, a little skeptical I don't hate the the Travis Kelsey pick in the fifth. I thought Phillip Rivers in the sixth, pretty good value there. Even Larry Fitzgerald in the seventh, I mean, is his wide receiver too. Not a bad value whatsoever. But then's when everything started to crumble. I don't know if his cheat sheet ran out of players or what. 
But, I mean, we, we reach for Broncos defense in the eighth round, who he's already traded away. Uh, he picked Juju Smith-Schuster in the ninth round. Um, kind of speechless on that one still. Probably one of the most head-scratching draft picks in our, like, um, I guess 10-year. This is our 10th season, um, so, yeah, 10-year history. Uh, that that was a wild pick. But, I mean, then you, then you go Amir Abdullah, fine pick there, and... Not much of note in the back half. You got Darren McFadden, which ended up um, at first being a good play. Now it looks like Zeke is going to be around most of the year. Um, but still a, a good shot to take there. You got Martellus Bennett, I think, in the 14th round. I'd have to, to count back to see. Uh, oh, no, 2019. 13th round, sorry, for Martellus Bennett. Um... Nick Foles in the, the 15th was a, another huge head-scratcher. He took Nick Foles before other guys that uh, were going to be starting quarterbacks. I don't know if he just hasn't been paying attention to the Eagles in who knows how many years or what. But, um, yeah, not sure what happened there. I think he, he definitely needed to focus on getting that third quarterback earlier in the draft. Um, I just think he came in completely unprepared, completely without um, any kind of strategy, and it shows. So at, right after the draft, it's going to be an uphill battle for for Christ. And uh, let's move on because we still have a lot to talk about here with his preseason moves. So for Jeff's preseason moves, I'm just going to try and read through them all here first, and then we'll we'll try and make sense of them. Um, First, him and Jay made a trade immediately after the draft. Very smart move by Jay to kind of swoop in here. Jay offered $9 for Martellus Bennett um, because Jeff already had Travis Kelsey. Didn't really need Martellus Bennett. Um, probably could have picked a quarterback in that 13th round instead. But um, I don't know. Would, would you take $9 in free agent budget or would you take a 13th round pick? I would probably take the pick. Um, but... I, not going to hate on it too much. I just I didn't understand then when we followed it up. He's then bid $10 on Paxton Lynch, um dropped the guy he got in the Martellus Bennett deal as kind of filler. Um Oh god, I forgot to touch on that when we were talking about the draft. Uh Juju Smith Schuster in the whatever ninth round was just filler at that point. Um <laughs> jeez. So he basically in picking up Paxton Lynch for 10, trading Bennett, um, Martellus Bennett, for 9, he basically paid $1 to drop from the, um, drop down from the 13th round to the 19th round. So that's an, an interesting strategy. Okay, so the next season preview we have up here is Nick Clark. He, um, this is going to be his 7th season in the league, which is pretty incredible to think about. It doesn't feel that long. He has a career record of 27 and 51, which is is not good. He had two seasons in there with two and 11 records, um, so give some hope to Christ for for some improvement uh, moving forward. But the last two seasons, he is exactly 500. He has a seven and six. Last year, he was six and seven. But last year is really interesting. It was by far his best season ever in terms of total points scored. Um, he averaged 139.15 points, um, despite <laughs> despite having a record under 500. But that was all time fifth in total points. So we have um, we have nine seasons times th um, times ten teams. So out of 90 potential 
spots that season was uh, fifth overall. So Nick had a really good team last year. Um, scrolling over, he was second in quarterback points, second in running back points, and second in wide receiver points, uh, wide receiver slash tight end. That's one of the best, most consistent all-around teams. Um, maybe not con consistent in terms of week in, week out, but he had some some truly explosive weeks in there. And um, his kicker defense was ranked 10th overall in points last season, so so that let him down a little bit. But um, it gives a lot of hope going into this season that he can build off a, a good year last year. Unfortunately, he is in the group of death. Um, so it's, it's going to be very much an uphill battle. But um, let's take a look at the draft and how his team stacks up headed into this season. So Nick Clark drafted out of the two spot, which I think was a really good spot this year. And I think he definitely started out um, making the most out of it. He got Le'Veon Bell with the second overall pick. Um, on the way back, he grabbed Mike Evans, who so I think he got kind of the back end of that really top top group of receivers, Julio, Odell Beckham, and, of course, um, Antonio Brown were off the board. I might have gone A.J. Green there, but I, I definitely can't argue with Mike Evans as uh, the fourth receiver off the board. And then on the way back, he was fortunate that Basham passed up on DeMarco Murray, I think, because Murray is probably the back end, the last person in that kind of second running back tier. Um, Jay Ajayi had gone, Melvin Gordon, Devonta Freeman, LaShawn McCoy. So he got Murray right before guys like Leonard Fournette and Todd Gurley, Lamar Miller, uh, Marshawn Lynch. So I, th I really think Murray is is set up to be in a tier above those guys, at least at the start of the season. So th first three picks, uh, I think Nick nailed him. Uh, he came back in round four and kind of got the last of the uh, a quarterbacking tier after... Um, Derek Carr, Matt Stafford, Jameis Winston, he was able to get Dak Prescott, who had arguably the best season from a rookie quarterback of all time. Um, he got him with at the end of the fourth round, and the quarterbacks that went after those guys um, were Dalton, Rivers, Carson Wentz, Eli Manning, Alex Smith, Carson Palmer. So I think Dak Prescott, even though he has a tough schedule this season, especially to start the year, um, I think he'd Nick just perfectly timed or maybe fell into these these really good picks and then he came back in the fifth round and was able to get the top tight end in uh, Gronk who had a kind of a weak game on Thursday he was being covered by Eric Berry though so I think moving forward he should be uh be back to his dominant self hopefully and uh Nick just continued with some good picks he got DeAndre Hopkins Carson Palmer who has a great opening schedule was his QB2 in the seventh round uh picked up Tevin Coleman as his running back three uh, it's a little shaky because Tevin Coleman isn't the clear-cut starter. In fact, he's the, the second option. Uh, but he's a great player, and he has a lot of potential if uh, Devonta Freeman goes down. Um, he also he grabbed Emmanuel Sanders, Martavis Bryan. I think Willie Sneed was a weak pick to begin with, let alone after this um, suspension that he has, I think, the first three weeks of the year. But Duke Johnson in round 12... Um, it, it was overall a really good draft for Nick. I think the, the biggest flaw here is he took, in round 14 and 15, he thought he was being smart. He took Ryan Tannehill. They didn't know if he was going to need season-ending surgery or not at the time. It was looking like it, so I was a little surprised that he took Tannehill here. But um, then he followed it up in round 15 with Matt Moore, thinking he was going to um, have a monopoly on whoever got the Dolphins quarterback position. And um, it turns out it was Jay Cutler who Mike Polina grabbed in the 19th round. If Nick Clark would have just taken Cutler to be safe, um, he 
ended up dropping Alvin Kamara later anyway. What is up, everybody? This is the second season preview uh, for the 2017 preseason. We're going to talk about Jeff Jurisich. This time, um, he's entering his fourth season in the league. And through his first three seasons, he has been one of the most consistent fantasy owners in the league. Uh, and when I say consistent, that's not really in a good way because he has four wins, nine losses every single season. I'm uh, I'm looking at his positional scoring record, and I see his his quarterback points rank has been nine, five, and nine. Running back points rank has been eight, seven, and eight. Um, wide receiver points ranking each season has been seven, five, and nine. So he's never had a a top four scoring position, and he's had twelve tries to do so. Nine tries, rather. Sorry, bad math there. But um, he's going to have to fix that this year. He's going to have to get some kind of uh, positional dominance. Like, just try to be good at one thing here, Jeff. I know some injuries have bitten you in the past, but but we all get them. So th this is kind of a uh, a make-or-break year here for Jeff. We want to see if he uh, he actually has what it takes to kind of perform at in the elite levels, uh, top league in the world. And we're going to have to see how it goes. Uh, he he kind of runs the risk of kind of becoming the next Nick Clark per se, but um, Nick Clark's breaking out a little bit, and Jeff is now has to be below him on the totem pole. So what did Jeff do to um, kind of turn things around this season at the draft? Let's take a look. In round one, he drafted Andrew Luck. That is not going uh, too hot so far, especially when you look at the fact that Polino is able to grab like a Russell Wilson, who I would prefer, even if both were healthy, um, seven picks later. Then uh, he went Odell Beckham, also kind of a, a rough start to the year here for that, but it looks like he's going to be okay, hopefully at least by week two. Uh, Marshawn Lynch, um, risky pick, but with upside in the third round is his first running back. You got uh, Brandon Cooks, that's looking good. And then uh, I don't really love the, the Paul Perkins pick next, but anyway, it goes down the line. Jeff was able to get Kareem Hunt uh, before he kind of became the, the superstar starter that we saw this past Thursday night. Uh, he also kind of grabbed a couple other quarterbacks. We have Carson Wentz, we have Joe Flacco, and Tom Savage. So uh, it was good that he got some quarterback depth. I kind of like the, the positional breakdown of his draft, how he, he spread some picks out, he made sure... Uh, he got some good players that can uh, have an effect week in, week out. I'm maybe not sold so much on the individual personnel, but I think he has a, a deep and well-rounded team. And uh, since he's in the, the weaker division this year, I think Jeff has his best shot at playoffs ever. So then the question becomes, what did Je Jeff do in the preseason to kind of improve his team? It's largely kind of a, a Polino-type approach, a little hands-off, but trying to, to round out the team. He added Orleans Darqua, um, who's kind of competing there with Paul Perkins. I think that was a good move, kind of shore up that, that Giants running back position. He dropped Sterling Shepard in that move, but then he picked Sterling Shepard back up a week later, dropped John Ross. He spent a dollar on that one. Um, another five days later, he picked up Kevin White uh, following the Cameron Meredith injury for $3, dropped Eric Ebron, and then um, a, 
couple days after that, we added the Bills defense against the Jets. I think that's a great week one matchup. And he dropped Joe Williams, who kind of fell out of the, the handcuff role there in San Francisco, it looks like. So really just a bunch of bench moves for Jeff. But um, overall, I think it was a, a solid preseason, nothing earth-shattering. But uh, you can't really ask for, for any more than that. And we're headed into the season with kind of a, a full head of steam. He's going to kind of get some some additional juice when Locke and Beckham return healthy. And I, I think, like, we know what his team is now, and there's not that much downside. Um, there's only kind of upside if guys like Paul Perkins, C.J. Anderson, Rob Kelly, if those guys kind of surprise us from here on out, it's only going to be better. I think we're pretty much everyone's expecting uh, a, a baseline that's closer to their floor than their ceiling for those guys, even if I don't like them that much. So we'll wrap up here talking about the, the power rankings and the coaches poll. I put Jeff 7th, but I kind of thought that uh, Polino, Jeff, Matt Vey, and Jay were all in a, a very similar realm. Um, I could have ranked them probably in any order, but you know, you have to make it. What is up, everybody? I'm here uh, after what looks to be a fourth Andy Dalton turnover uh, early in the second half, but we're going we're gonna to try and focus and talk about Nick Katko season preview. Uh, his fifth year in the league. Up to this point, he has a combined record of 31 and 21. He's made the playoffs three of the last four years. Um, however, he his rookie season was the only time he ever made the finals. So he's really, uh, really looking to to push here to establish himself as one of the the better contenders in the league. Um, the one thing that jumps out to me when I'm looking at his career track record is. Um, He's had a lot of a lot of all-time points finishes that are good. We have three between 17th and 24th, but none great. Also, uh, probably one of the main reasons for that, I'm looking at his wide receiver points ranking each and every season. His first two seasons, he was ninth out of 10 teams in uh, wide receiver tight end points. And then here in the last two seasons, he's improved just to 8th. Uh, in each of those seasons. So I think he needs to pick it up that, in that department. Let's uh, take a look at his draft and see if he's set up to do just that. All right, so looking at uh, Katko's draft out of the four spot, we have Aaron Rodgers with the, the fourth overall pick. That's obviously a, a very Katko move, pretty solid one at that. Um, followed up with two running backs on teams that are, are a little up in the air in terms of whether or not they're going to be good this year. But um, which is always a shaky proposition when you're taking uh, high draft cost running backs on bad teams. But Jay Ajayi and Todd Gurley, I think, are both going to be uh, solid solid players this year. They're going to kind of help Katko get some even performances week in, week out, since they're going to be getting a lot of touches. I love the Jameis Winston pick in the fourth round. Um, but the once again, Katko kind of dropped off here when it comes to wide receivers. He's picked T.Y. Hilton, who's going to be without Andrew Luck for a while. Alshon Jeffrey, not a not a high reception total kind of guy, but he can certainly come up with two touchdowns in any given game. Massive target. And then uh, Tyreek Hill, he also grabbed. He later, spoiler alert, traded Tyreek Hill to yours truly. Um, we'll get into that. Um, but the, the bench running backs, we have Eddie Lacy, Latavius Murray, Jamal Charles. Um, we're going to have to see if any of those really pan out for Katko or not. 
I'm a little skeptical. We'll see how he molds the running back position. Uh, Joe Mixon may or may not be a, a true answer at running back three there. Um, but I do like Devontae Parker, Eric Decker. I think those are some some good late-round wide receiver selections that he made. I think that's going to help his uh, his starting lineup down the road. Uh, overall, I would say solid draft for Kako. Built kind of the standard Polino coaching tree, if you'll say, um, type of roster there, making sure you get the, the quarterbacks and the running backs early on. And, um, yeah, he's, he's in the tough division, so this is going to be... Um, going to be an uphill battle, but um, we can move on and talk about the transactions he's made in the preseason. So unfortunately when it comes to churning his uh, his low bench spots in the preseason, Katko has a little bit of an impediment because his rivalry bet with Jay last year was that you could put one person on the other person's team from the draft that they had to pick um, or they had to keep on their bench for the entire season. And that was um, that was Kenneth Dixon, who's almost certainly out for the year. So it, it kind of hurts Kako in terms of making ads and drops in the preseason. He doesn't have that extra kind of up-in-the-air spot that he can keep flipping when uh, players do well in the preseason or not. Um, so Kako actually didn't make a single ad or drop in the preseason. He just made one trade, which was with myself. It was the, we already talked about it, Tyreek Hill and $12, and then he received Sammy Watkins, Thomas Rawls. I do think this kind of helps with his uh, his Eddie Lacy on the bench. Uh, Rawls, in his rookie season two years ago, was a top-five running back. He was hurt for most of last year. Um, so if he really could take over that backfield, which it seems like Eddie Lacy is really uh, not doing too hot so far in the preseason, entering the season here, um, there's definitely some other competition from C.J. Proceis, maybe even Chris Carson. But I think Rawls is a, a good lottery ticket to, to add to your bench. And then... Sammy Watkins, I mean, he has top 10 wide receiver talent. It's just a matter of if um, he can get enough targets and if Jared Goff can get him the ball effectively. So I kind of like the move for Kako. He had to drop Deion Lewis. He threw away a little bit of fab, but no big deal. What is up, everybody? Here is the final preview. This is for our, our 2016 champion, Michael Basham. Um, overall, all-time career record of 67-50. and 50 pretty good. He's had seven winning seasons, two losing seasons, um, and actually really impressively, he has five seasons out of the nine with nine or more wins. So they weren't just good winning seasons, they were pretty dominant winning seasons, at least in terms of wins and losses. Um, he does have that one giant stain uh, on his um, resume where he had a two-win, 11-loss season up there with some of the most pathetic all-time but um, he's made playoffs in six of nine years. He's made the finals four of nine years. He's won the championship two out of nine. So by by pretty much all measures, Basham is one of the... Uh, he's probably the second greatest, I would have to say, after myself, owner in league history. Um, not just because he's been here a long time, also just because he's been that good. The one, uh, one other thing I will say on the negative side is he only has... Um, one top 10 season in terms of total points all time. That was last year. He set the record 141.69. Um, Gronk would be proud of the .69 there. But the next best is 16th overall. Then you have a 22, a 30. And really you have 
you have four seasons here that are in the bottom half out of nine, so that's a little bit weak. Um, I guess it goes to show sometimes he was, maybe especially in the, the old days, you can't really write off the old days, though, for being lower scoring, because his 16th overall one came in 2009 when he averaged 134.46. Um, but maybe you can think that uh, that back there is when he when he struggled. But really, the middle three seasons of his career are probably the worst. He had seven and six, two and eleven, five and eight. Um, the The other notable thing about Basham's career is the the running back points have um, at least since I tracked them starting in two thousand eleven. He's been in the top five all but one of those years. Um, so sometimes that helped, sometimes it didn't. But um, last year was his uh, his number one finish. Then he had a couple threes, a four, and he he dropped a six in there. And I guess if we went back to 2008 through 2010, he'd be pretty high up there too. That's kind of a trademark of Basham's team. So, uh, yeah, good career so far. Let's look at his draft quick. Okay, so Basham had one of the drafts I was most jealous of. He traded up with... Um, he traded Katko for the number one spot. He moved out of the number four spot. And he took David Johnson first overall. Since then, that's uh, he's been ruled out for, for most of the season, probably most of the fantasy season. So that's extremely unfortunate for Basham. But uh, the rest of his draft I really liked. If I could have gone in and tweaked some, uh, some player picks that I'd have preferred, I'd like it a little better. But, I mean, he, he largely... Did a great job, just positionally speaking. He grabbed Jordy Nelson and A.J. Green at the 2-3 turn. Um, he had Christian McCaffrey in the fourth. I thought that was somewhat of a reach. He could have got a Carlos Hyde. He could have got a Dalvin Cook. Um, and really, I think I might have taken Ty Montgomery, who Basham got in the sixth round. I might have taken him over Christian McCaffrey in the fourth. So... Those two picks I, I still liked, though. I don't hate McCaffrey that much. Um, Des Bryant as his third wide receiver in the fifth round is an insane value. Um, I think Basham noticed that the the quarterbacks were kind of flying off the board, but he stuck to his strategy. Um, Bryant, the one notable thing, I guess, where he took Bryant is he didn't take Gronk. Um, that would have been kind of interesting if he went wide receiver later and got Gronk in there at his tight end spot. But he, he got some tight end value later. Um, he got Jordan Reed and Jimmy Graham in the 10th and 13th. That's pretty much a guaranteed top five tight end if you hold on to them throughout the rest of the year. He got Golden Tate in round nine, which is another good value. Randall Cobb, Adam Thielen. I love those picks in the 14th and 16th round. Um, and Doug Martin in the 11th. I was really pissed. I was ready to take him. Um, I ended up going somewhere else in the the 10th, but um, I was really ready to jump on the Doug Martin uh, pick if he came back to me in the 11th round, but Basham took the break, looked stuff up maybe, and then decided to go with him. Um, so let's talk quarterbacks here. He got Alex Smith, Sam Brown. What is up, everybody? Another season preview. I believe this is our 9th. Um, and this one's going to be about Jay. I don't know why I, I kind of pushed him till second to last because he didn't finish quite that high in the standings last year, but he was 8-5. and five. Um, But anyway, this is his fifth season. He's had four previous seasons. His combined record is 28-24. and 24. So hovering right around average, a little bit better. Um, he started off pretty good. He had the um, third most points in the league his rookie season. 
20th most all-time. However, he only had five wins, eight losses. Um, the curious thing is, even though his point total was so good, 133.7, um, and it's 20th out of 90th all-time, he only had four top five scores. I, I'm not sure how that plays out. I guess he had some, some really massive scores. Um, looks like he had 174 as his max. I'm guessing the other was pretty close to that. And then he must have had a lot of scores that were like just sixth since they weren't top five. So kind of a weird rookie year for Jay. He followed it up, though, with one of the, the better seasons in league history. He went 9-4. and four. That wasn't even good enough to win his division, but he um, did, however set the all-time points record that year. It's since fallen to to second overall, but um, 140.77 points per week. That's awesome. He made the playoffs. Um, he had five um, top one scores, so five out of 13 weeks he had the best score. I think that's, that's either tied or is the, the best in league history. So that was a great sophomore season for Jay. It gave him a lot of bragging rights over Matt Vey, who had been in the league for another two years before that, I think, and um, hadn't even come close to matching what Jay's output was. Still, honestly, hasn't come close to, to matching that season from Jay, but I'm sure Jay enjoyed that. Um, third season, not very good. Six and seven, uh, ninth in total points ranking. Um, pretty Pretty middle of the road, if not below. Uh, not a good year for Jay by any means. And then last year, he was 8-5. and five. He made the... Oh, no, so he missed out on the playoffs barely, I believe. Um, but he had a terrible total point score. It was 119. That was 8th in the league. He uh 62nd all-time. So even though he, he squeaked out some wins somehow, that was a really... Uh, bad year, I would say. I mean, you can you can measure it in a number of ways. I'm sure he's happy with the eight wins, but he can't be happy with the other stuff. And the the one emerging trend um, with Jay is that season he set the record. He was first in wide receiver points. Interestingly, eighth in quarterback points the year he set the record. Um, but anyway, first in wide receiver points that year. And then he's followed up with two last-place finishes in wide receiver tight end points. So... He's uh, hopefully going to pick that up this year if he wants to have any chance, even if he's in the weaker division. But overall, a mixed career for Jay, probably a little on the positive side, but he really hasn't made any sort of splash in the playoffs. And um, this is going to be an interesting year, seeing if he can, can manage to finally do that or if he's going to just be stuck in uh, kind of the mediocrity level of the BHL Premier League. All right, so let's talk about Jay's draft. I... I talked a little long in some of the other ones in this preview, so um, we're going to roll right through it. I thought the Zeke Elliott decision in the uh, the number five overall selection was interesting. I'm not sure I would have taken a risk on him quite that early. I, I was really considering if I would even take him down in the 10 or 11 pick, and I kind of was, was leaning away from it. Um, I didn't love the Jordan Howard pick. Um, the Bears are kind of just a shitty team, and Tariq Cohen was getting some positive reports out of camp. Um, he's not a guy that really can catch passes. I know he caught a lot last year, but he's he's more kind of a big plotter, a little powerful, got some burst, but nothing that special. Um, Newton and Stafford, I think, were good picks, but it, Jay lost a lot of opportunity cost by taking them in the third or fourth round. I loved the Keenan Allen pick fifth over our fifth round, 
But then then we started some ones that I didn't like so much. He took Theo Riddick, Frank Gore, Julian Edelman, Jamison Crowder, and Deshaun Jackson to kind of get to the 11th round. Crowder and Edelman I see, I see arguments for, but the rest were kind of underwhelming. Um, Doug Martin in the 11th round that Bajum took I thought would be a great guy to take here instead of a, a Crowder, Edelman, even a Gore. Um, so I think Jay lost some opportunity there, but I did like his late picks, Pro Size, Jordan Mack. What is up, everybody? This is uh, going to be the season preview for myself. Um, I'm kind of going in backwards order of results from last season, so obviously it's disappointing to be this early on. Um, Career-wise, uh, this is going to be my 10th season in the league. I have a career record of 74 and 43, uh, right up there with the best. Um, this is my last year was my first season where I wasn't um, in the top half of the league in terms of wins. I had, I believe I went 6-7, and seven. Uh, so my first non-winning season ever. Um, we measure top fives in a, in a season, so if you're in the top half of scoring in a week, you get a top five week. I never had less than 8 out of 13. Last year I had 6 of those, so I missed the playoffs for the first time. I'd made it the, well, the first time in seven years, yeah, I'd made it the previous six. Um, and I'd actually won the division the previous five years. I'd won the the championship for four straight years, made the finals for five straight years. So um, all in all, that was the, the end of a, a true streak, a true empire that I don't know will ever be bested. But um, so I'm, I'm feeling the pressure here for the first time in quite a while, um, especially since my rival, Bajum, took the championship. He's beaten me twice in a row for the scrotum pole since we debuted it. Um, so for, for me, there's a lot on the line headed into the season, and um, let's take a quick look here at my draft. So at the draft, I picked out of the 10 spot, which isn't really what it used to be. Um, there's no longer like a plethora of, of running backs. You can't kind of double down on those. There's more quarterbacks than there used to be, so you can kind of wait on those instead of doubling up on those guys. Um, so I thought it was a it was a tough spot, and I kind of had to. Basically, I wanted to get one running back, and then I wanted to kind of take a, a best player available approach in terms of uh, the tiers and positional rankings. I wanted to get some difference makers, so we grabbed Shady and Julio Jones first. Um, I I kind of had a list of quarterbacks I liked at my next pick, but I I really like Marcus Mariota this year, so I thought that was a good value, and. Um, but then the quarterbacks went a lot quicker than I than I thought they would. I had to end up grabbing Dalton in the sixth round, which was um, not ideal, definitely not ideal. Um, and then right after that, I followed up with, I think, are my two worst picks of the draft. I took Sammy Watkins. This was before he was traded to the Rams. I still kind of like him this year, but I think he might get off to a slow start and uh, not, not really sure what to think of Sammy Watkins. Um, and then I grabbed Blake Bortles, who I think is... I definitely would not have taken him there if I had the chance to to do it over again. I was I was fortunate to unload him during the preseason, but he still does have um, potential in fantasy for sure. Even last year, which everyone thinks was a miserable year for Bortles, he still did pretty well in fantasy. I think he was 14th in our league. So as long as he doesn't get replaced, um, I don't I don't know. I don't obviously I traded him, so I can't talk him up too much, but. Um, when you're when you're picking deep down here in the draft, you want to make sure you have a good quarterback three if you can. Um, later on, I mean, I was able to get guys like Stephon Diggs, Mike Gillisley, and Pierre Garcon, 
uh, Jeremy Macklin. I think all those guys are going to be pretty pretty good for their value where I got them in the draft. I got Deshaun Kaiser, who who I really like heading into this year. Um, it, there's going to be some ups and downs, but um, that's whatever. I got Thomas Rawls pretty late, and he ended up kind of moving himself into the 1A to Eddie Lacy's 1B. It looks like he might be hurt for week one, but I thought that was a great value. I couldn't believe he fell quite that far. Um, so I, I like my draft, but I didn't come out with like any distinct advantage over some other people. I kind of looked at some of the other teams, and I was jealous of them. But, um, yeah, I'm, drafting is fine. You you make sure you don't lose the season from the start, and then you get into the year, and you, uh, you figure things out from there, and you manage your team. So, yeah, that's the draft recap. Let's move on and talk about uh, the preseason moves. So as usual, just in, in terms of straight ads and pickups, I was uh, probably the most active person in the preseason. I had Osweiler. I dropped Paxton Lynch, uh, so grabbed Osweiler for 2 bucks. I was dropping Ryan Matthews right off the bat to grab Turbin. Later on, Turbin was dropped for 13 bucks. Uh, I grabbed Chad Henney, which uh, some people found laughable, but whatever. Um, Chad Henney was quickly dropped later when it, Bortles was named the starter after the competition was opened back up. Um, I was able to pick up Alvin Kamara, which I really like. He's, he's a guy that I'm going to keep on my bench. What is up, everybody? We got three more of these. I better get them out before the uh, week two begins. So here we go. We're going to talk about Sterner. He's uh, one of the relatively new members of the league. He's been here three years. This is going to be his fourth season. Uh, the the first year started off really strong. Ten wins, three losses. Um, he came third in the league in points. However, it was the tenth best all-time um, well, it is the 10th best all-time. It was probably better at that point. Um, and he made the finals, so that was that was a strong start. And um, he, he's continued the good run. Next year, 6-7. and seven. Last year, 8-5. and five. However, um, his second year, he was 10th in total points. Um, obviously, that's, that's not great, last in the league. Last year, he was only 6th. Um, he did make the playoffs, but bottom half of the league in points scored during the regular season. So a little bit of a fortunate schedule, fortunate division. Um, I'm not really sure. don't want to go back and look. So this is kind of going to be a telling year for Sterner. If he really can push his team into the playoffs, into the finals, he's going to establish himself as um, kind of undisputedly one of the top two or three members of the league. Uh, if not, then he uh, we can kind of write some of these things off as a little bit of a fluke, and uh, we'll see what happens, especially write them off as a fluke considering this team that he has this year. Um, it's going to be a huge disappointment if he is not able to navigate that team to the finals. So let's take a look at his draft. So Sterner started out he with a, a pretty average... Um, averagely built draft in the way that he uh, selected positions. Uh, he went the first round, Antonio Brown, with the seventh overall pick. Can't really go wrong with that too much. He made sure to follow it up with a, a running back, getting one of the last kind of second tier or first tier, depending on how you group them type of guys. Then he went Roethlisberger and Derek Carr. Um, so he followed that up with Carlos Hyde and Demarius Thomas. So he kind of got two at each position and then kind of go into the season figuring out your third running back, third receiver, uh, maybe backup quarterback, things like that. 
So really where Sterner's strengthened his team is in the uh, his transactions, the trades, um, and the preseason, but the rest of the draft certainly wasn't bad, I don't think. Um, I'm not a huge fan of like the LeGarrette Blunt pick in the, um, it looks like, 10th round, 9th round, sorry. But um, followed up with some, some good picks. He got Delaney Walker at tight end. He made sure to jump in there and get a third quarterback, even if it was Mike Glennon. Um, so the the back half of the draft, I think, was uh, average to weak. But um, really all that matters is, is the core sometimes, and the rest is, is fixable. He didn't give himself a huge leg up, but he was able to convince uh, Jeff Christ, as we'll talk about soon, um, the value of some of these turds he has on the bench so let's uh let's move forward and talk about these transactions okay so before we dip into the trades let's just let's just look at Sterner's um free agent pickups I would argue that uh all of these are fairly mediocre at best if not bad uh, he dropped Chris Hogan to pick up Anquan Bolden who retired several days later um he did not know at the time that Chris Hogan was going to be thrust into a, a bigger role once Julian Edelman went out for the year. Um, then later he, he drops Bolden, he picks up Pat Mahomes. He um, he added Wendell Smallwood for $2. Added Joe Williams after he dropped Hightower. Um, if he'd been paying attention at that point in camp, it was pretty, uh, pretty clear that Matt Breida was going to be the backup to his Carlos Hyde. Um, so he's shuffling around two guys that don't matter there. He added Torrey Smith and dropped Dontrell Inman. I'm not sure why either of those guys are on anyone's team ever. Um, later on, then he dropped Joe Williams for a dollar, picked up Falcons defense. Um, that was Sunday of the games. Falcons defense didn't do that hot. But um, those are the pickups. So uh, fortunately, Sterner stumbled apparently into some trades here. Christ offered him Larry Fitzgerald and Devonta Freeman for... Devonte Adams, LeGarrette Blunt, and Marvin Jones. Um, if you are watching at home, that's a second round pick and a seventh round pick for an eighth, a ninth, and a fourteenth. Um, if I could do that every single year, I would be thrilled. If I could do that once in every